0: And I think that's one of the most important things. If you're gonna have an event, you need to be able to sum up very, very quickly, who is it for and why should they be there? You know, So this event is for this exact type of person, and this is what they're gonna get from it.
1: How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Welcome to another episode of Business Lunch. And today's a snackable episode with Roland where he's going to get into some more tactical strategies that you can start using to live a rich and happy life. If this is the first snackable episode you're hearing, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes that Roland has put out. And if you want to get notified every time we release a new episode, go to the new businesslunchpodcast.com website, and we'll send you detailed notes along with every episode. That's businesslunchpodcast.com, www.businesslunchpodcast.com, and you can sign up for the free email newsletter where you'll be able to get all the highlights and resources from the episodes. Hey everybody, Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice here with another episode of the Business Lunch Podcast, and today we are going to talk about events. Ryan, we just had an event that seems like you and I were talking that it was about a thousand years ago, but it was literally earlier this month and, um, and less
0: than four weeks ago.
1: Let's talk a little bit about that. You want to share a little bit about the event and like, what, what was it? What was our goal? And then we can kind of talk about why did we have it and
0: that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think talking about why we have it is important because I just want to have this on the record. Uh, I hate events. Yes. Yes. You know this. Um, I I am surprised to hear you say that because I always thought that you absolutely loved them. I freaking hate events. Um, (laughs) I hate events. There's so much work. There's so much stress leading up to it. Um, If if, if things all go wrong and everything goes really, really, really bad, you, you know, like it's there. Like all the people are there. Like the number of things that can go wrong in an event, you haven't even thought about them until they happen like it's truly astounding like i've been in the middle of a keynote at one of our events and like just the hotel decided to do a fire alarm test and didn't really tell anybody so you're just like in the middle of a thing in the middle of an event it's like literally everybody has to just leave the room go out for a bit and then come back in like i didn't even think that that could happen Lo well, <laughs> the behold, it can Gr- thankfully that didn't happen at this event so i just i think we're doing this episode It's good to talk about why events, even if you're not running a quote-unquote event business, you know, why more businesses should be doing events. I just, if you're thinking this episode is not for me because I hate events, just know you're in good company. So do I. We do them anyway, and I'm glad that we do. You also have have an
1: interesting recurring dream about, uh, events from time to time. Do You want to share that with
0: everybody? Dude, I mean, that was the reason. So as as I think many of our listeners would know, um, we started an event about 13, 14, 15 years ago called, uh, traffic and conversion summit. Uh, and, um, yeah, starting about like year eight. So it wasn't, it wasn't in the original. It just didn't happen until it got bigger. Yeah, once it got big and I realized, whoa, the stakes are really, really high. Yeah, I kept having, I would have a couple of different recurring nightmares. Um, The first was coming out on stage and literally nobody's there, right? So you put on this event and literally nobody shows up, um, which that's terrifying. Um, Thankfully, it's never happened. Uh, The other one is I'm running around back of house and I can't get to the stage. Like doors are locked. And the funny, that actually did happen to me one time. (laughs) At TNC, I was trying to find this back way through and I got locked in the stairwell, literally. And at that point, it was just comical. Um, But yeah, I mean, just again, to show you the neuroses that I have around events, um, yeah, recurring nightmares leading up to them. It's one of the reasons that I was like, can we please sell Traffic and Conversion Summit? Um, And in fairness to me, uh we decided to sell in 2018 had to earn out in 2019 and in 2020 there was a pandemic so i was going to say it it turned out right. that that uh that, that nightmare really
1: saved us a uh, millions of dollars because that given enough been...
0: time yeah given enough time all of your like worst uh, dreams will likely come true uh yeah. just because of like entropy um it's not a great way to live your life though um anyway I think it's good I, I do think it's good to acknowledge um that this is something that I think is incredibly important. Uh it's it's something that I'm very glad that we do. But I don't love it. Um and I just want people to hear that because if you don't love it either, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Right. Uh if it's it could be a very good thing for your business. So maybe we should just talk about it's probably we're talking about the different types of events and, you know, why you would, you know, do certain events. Sure. Um So I don't know if you want to kind of riff on that. Like, what do you think some of the Yeah. Uh,
1: In terms of like uh, in-person versus non in-person and that kind of stuff. No, I was more
0: thinking. So when you think about why to do an event, and I'd love to get your take on this. To me, it kind of falls into three categories, like three sort of broad categories of events. Um, And the first is like, we're doing this event where the event is the product. Yep. You know, and, and we're doing this event and the goal is to make money. From the event, and you 're usually going to make money through ticket sales, uh, sponsorships, exhibitors, things like that and yep. you, and you want this event to be independently profitable and that 's yep. one reason to do an event it 's hard, but it 's one reason to do it. Um, the other is kind of the the customer appreciation event, um, and that's we're doing this community style event, and these are these can sometimes be really small, like meetups, for example, yep. you know, would be this and your goal isn't necessarily to Um, to monetize the event. Maybe it's to kind of help offset your costs, but it's really there to, to help, you know, increase the bonding with, with the people that you have. Um, But it's, it's, it's more of a, this is something that we do. It's, it's almost kind of a, a feature of your broader, you know, product offering. And then, and then the third type really is the sales event you know, we are putting on this event because we want to put people into a room so that yes, we can deliver value, but ultimately we want to leverage this event to generate sales, you know, Ascension, renewals, those kinds of things. Yeah. The, um, only one, and,
1: the only one I would add to that would be fulfillment, that we also do fulfillment events that are um, either bonuses or um, or parts of programs or something like that that we've already sold. And we're not really planning on selling and it's not really customer appreciation and we don't generally have sponsors and stuff. We're just basically at that event, delivering the thing that we sold previously, whether it was online, offline or, or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. In my mind, I was kind of lumping that into the the second or third one, but yeah, I can see how that's, you know, that's its own thing. So setting, I mean, so setting aside, we're doing this event because it's a fulfillment type, um, type mechanism, focusing on kind of the, the other three that I think would, you know, would apply, you know, to anyone, I think the hardest one to do is the event that you run for the sake of the event making money by itself. So not the event making money as a channel to sell other, you know, products. That was the third type, the sales event. But the, we want this event itself to be kind of independently profitable. In my experience, like, and we've done this, and we have that kind of event. That's what, you know, TNC was and still is. Those are hard Events to do, Um, and and I think when a lot of people think about putting on an event, that's what they think about, and they're like, "Oh, that seems risky. Oh, that seems hard." And it is. Uh, And you should both both of those things. (laughs) Both of those things are true. Um, Typically, you know, just to kind of break that that business model down, um, typically you want either ticket sales or sponsorships to cover all of your costs, and you're going to make your margin on the other one. Yeah. Right. Usually, whichever one is less is kind of where you're going to you know, sort of sort of make your margin. And it's very typical to say, whatever we generate in ticket sales, we're going to put that right back into promotions. And for that model, usually you're two or three years of having to put all of the money back in. Yep. Like you might make nothing off that event uh, until you get people to come back, you know, year after year. It's um, tough as and, you
1: scale too, because just like with inventory, with, you know, with an inventory business, it's it, the, one of the treadmills you get on is I have to buy inventory, and then I have to buy media to sell the inventory, and then I need to scale up my team to be able to handle all of that so that I can now buy even more inventory and so you're constantly churning your money ever bigger, but you don't really get the payday until you sell or stop growing and um it's the same thing with the event as you're you start out and you have a couple hundred people and then five hundred people and then a thousand and then five thousand you your expenses grow at the same pace basically as all of the revenue that's coming in to sell. So it's kind of hard to make money while you're growing.
0: Yeah. You don't get, you get very few economies of scale in the event business. Um, And certainly when you take the leap from, you know, you could go and do a small customer appreciation boardroom style event where you go and, you know what, rent that out for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, at a local kind of deal. When you get up into a ballroom, Oh well, now you're talking to a hotel ballroom. Well, now you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, in food, food and
1: beverage room and room blocks.
0: Room blocks. Yeah, right. and all this, all this other stuff, and 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 then when you outgrow that and you get into convention space, now you find out things like, oh, you want us to turn the air conditioning on? Well, that's twenty thousand dollars a day. You want oh, flooring. you'd like car- Yeah, you'd like <laughs> slivers of carpet. <laughs> um, that's gonna be 180 grand. And it just at each level it gets more and more and more expensive. So I'm not saying this to dissuade anybody from, you know, if you're interested in pursuing that, like give you some details there, but you know, that is a hard business, but that's not really what we're talking about either. When we say you should do an event. Um, I think the more interesting kind of events to do uh, are that kind of second type, that customer appreciation. Let's let's get let's get our people. In the same room, yeah, um, and and you could do this as an aspect of fulfillment, um, but there's something magical that happens when you get your customers, when you get prospects in the same room, hanging out together. And I think yeah. it's underrated, uh, and I think it's become more valuable post, you know, post COVID. Um, but the one that we did was the third type, the sales event. Yeah. And so I don't know if you think we should break, you know, break that down, but yeah, let's do it. So our and I, I can talk about kind of you know, share some of the, the good, the bad, the ugly. So our goal was to put. Do you, 800... you want to talk about the comparison of last year,
1: which was pretty terrible to this year? Also, as we're doing this, I think might be
0: helpful for folks. I do. And I don't. So I might throw up a little bit in my mouth when we talk about this, but yeah, sure. No, we could do that. Um, so the thing I think most people, when they put on events, they they underestimate how difficult it is to get people to, to buy a ticket, buy, you know, buy a ticket to the event, buy a plane ticket, get hotel space and, and show up. It's a big ask. It, it really is a big ask. And so, yeah, last year uh, when we did it, we grossly underestimated um, the, the marketing lift. And I'm embarrassed to say this because one, we're pretty good at marketing and two, we got a lot of experience in events. And yet still, we grossly underestimated the lift that it would take. And we just took too long to start promoting the event. It took too long to, you know line up the the celebrities and i i want to say we we were hoping to get around seven 750 or 800 i think we only had like 250 300 people how how long do you think it is year.
1: necessary to market how, how long in advance for let's say an event six of months. 200 or more people
0: six months yeah yeah i think six months out you you want to have a big push hey this thing's coming in six months and then there's a little you can do like a super early bird kind of thing and there's a little bit of a of a lull, and then when you begin to announce speakers or you begin to announce sessions, um, one one nice thing, um, a a well known speaker, a celebrity type person, is going to cost you a good bit of money. But what they buy you is scroll stopping. Yeah. So when you're running ads for the event, when you're sending out emails for the event, the ability to use that person's name in the subject lines or in the ads, that that can be helpful. Now we um, had
1: celebrities last year but opted not to this year. So why?
0: So last year, we locked down all of our celebrities too late and so we didn't get the benefit of the scroll stopping of the images and of the names. And um and so this year, same kind of thing, like we were trying to figure out what's like what do we want to do and and just we we were at a point where we hadn't figured out who the celebrities were going to be and so we we decided that it, it wasn't going to be worth it. I think if if you're not going to have celebrities at least 90 days out, you're not going to get the benefit of them.
1: Yeah, and they're going to
0: part of it. From a ticket sales perspective.
1: I agree. P- part of it too was that we knew some of the people we wanted because we, we have, I mean, there aren't that many people that we think are really going to move the needle that will be related to what we're going to talk about and and be sa- sales-enabling For tickets, but not just for tickets, because this event, and this is important for people to think about, I think, is it's not just selling the ticket. You also are selling at the event. So do you want a bunch of people that want to show up to see Kim Kardashian or whoever? Uh, Do you want that? Or like they're there just to see if you had Taylor Swift. That'd be a good one for right now, right? If we have Taylor Swift, we're going to get a million tickets sold, right? But then none of those people are going to buy anything because they're not they're not going to be coming because they want to hear what Taylor Swift has to say about business. They're going to be coming because she's Taylor Swift and they want to know, you know, is she still dating that guy or, you know, why is she doing this or when she releasing her new song? So I think it's important to think about is the person going to scroll stop, but also will they be sales enabling at the event for the thing that you're planning to sell? So I think I think that's good to think about. And so that we had identified a couple of people, Shaq was one of them, and we couldn't get because celebrities have commitments to the other things they're doing. And so he has like football uh, uh, broadcasts and things like that that he and, and basketball and all this sports, I guess I should say sports stuff that he has to be available for. And certain things happen on certain dates, and our event just happened to be around and uncertainty of the date and they took forever to announce when the thing was going to be. And the same thing happened with, uh, with movies that the, the film stars will have opt out clauses. If you try to get them too soon and if you get them too late, you don't get the benefit because it also takes like Richard Branson. We tried to have Richard Branson last year at that event and we got within, I think about a month, like we started, six months out negotiating, maybe even longer. And because of the back and the forth to try to get all the stuff done to, to nail it down, we weren't able, we were approaching, you know, uh, four weeks out and we still didn't have it nailed down. And we were just like, we, 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 we will do it next year. We told them, we'll, we'll do it next year. And we did end up booking them for, for traffic and conversion summit. But, but that's, those are things you guys have to think about too, is that if you're going to get celebrities, there is a lot of negotiating and time, investment that goes on there and if you're smart you don't just say you know what's your rate i want this much okay you don't just do it that way because they will they'll not let you sell recordings and they won't be available for the things you want and they won't pre-promote and they won't give you pre-authorized uh you know ads and pre-approved and all, all of that kind of stuff so you have to negotiate if you're going to get the most out of it but it that alone i would start you know probably nine months out if you can
0: Oh yeah, I mean in the the at the absolute latest, it would be nice if you got. I, I always like kind of picking the low hanging fruit. We're doing this event, and you get all your best people, you know, to come and sign up because it just gives you a sense of where do we stand right now. Because you know, most of the time the the ballroom is only going to hold a certain number of people. You're kind of you've got a range that you're trying to hit. Yep. Um, and so, if you feel like you're going to get to capacity without having to go and, and invest as much, you know, in these different celebrities or marketing, then cool. Let's go figure that out. But the absolute latest that I would want to, if you're going to pay big money for a celebrity 90 days out, or you're almost certainly not going to get the value, you would almost be better off if, if you have it in the budget, but you can't get it figured out before then you'd almost be better off not mentioning anything about him being there, having him show up unannounced. Yeah. And now the story is around why you want to come to this event. Because look at these amazing, cool people who show up. Right. I think you want either the mistake that we made Last year, so not the most recent event, but the one before then, when yeah, when when negotiations slowed down with Branson, we're like, "Crap! Well, we got to get a celebrity." Was what we told ourselves. We got to have yeah. some celebrities, and so who do we know? Yeah. Uh, and thankfully, we got friends and Damon, John, and Marcus Lemonis, and we're like, "Hey, can you guys come out and speak at our event?" You know, they agreed, and and they're busy people who get paid. I mean, they, we got a friends and family deal from them, but it still wasn't cheap. Yeah, and at the end of the day, we didn't really have time to promote them, a- and so. Like it probably wasn't, it was worth doing it because they're both friends and they did a lot to help us drive sales. From just a
1: straight economic standpoint, I think we lost money.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And so that was the other reason why this year we said, if we feel like we can fill the event without celebrities, then let's not do it because it keeps the focus um, on getting the right people in the room who want to be in the room for the content and for the value, not just to see that person. Yeah. And so if it's a sales, if, if it's an event designed to, to generate sales from the room, those are the folks you'd rather have. So compare and contrast, last year for a variety of reasons that were preventable, you know, didn't get as many people in. This year, we again got started a little bit late. Um, and, I, and it's because we were struggling to figure out what is the hook of this event. And I think that's one of the most important things. If you're going to have an event you need to be able to sum up very, very quickly, who is it for and why should they be there? Yeah. You know, so this event is for this exact type of person, and this is what they're going to get from it. Um, And we just couldn't really nail that, you know, and tried a lot of things. And it wasn't until we began running just some tests. We were like, what if we test it, which is the simplest thing in the world. We should have done it months and months before. and finally, we said, what if we let the people decide? And so we ran like a 30-way a yeah. split test for headlines and hooks and stuff like that, Nail, narrowed it down to the top three and then ran it. And what do you know? Now we're able to advertise profitably. But that was about 60 days out when we really got that dialed in. What Do
1: you um, remember what you thought it
0: was and then what was the one that was the winner? So the one, so the one that was the winner was focusing an event on, you know, this, uh, this is the event for, uh, for bootstrapped was the term that wound up, you know, attracting the most folks. So bootstrapped, uh, seven and eight figure entrepreneurs who want to scale and exit. Okay. So nice. not that different from what we had done before, yeah. but Which was, do you remember what it was? It was basically like the premier small business of, scale event it was just more generic right i, I like
1: so, that though because i think it helps show people the, the importance of split testing because you you yeah. were kind of there it's just that there was a
0: yeah. little tweak and the tweak made all the difference right as it very often does and the tweet net what, what the tweet what we finally did was um we finally said let's talk to our ideal client and i think this is important if you're doing a sales event speak to the bullseye speak to the ideal client it's scary because you know you need to sell tickets yeah, It's scary because you're staring down the barrel of a big um, room block and you're staring down the barrel of a, of a big, you know, F&B contract, food and beverage. And so you're like, boy, at some point I'll take any butt in a seat as long as they're buying a, a hotel room, because if we don't fill these hotel rooms, we eat them. And I'll right. talk about that in just a second. But um, but it was the it was the fear of we need to meet this. Large number of contract right. that caused us to want to go broad, and in reality, it was when we narrowed down that sales went up. And I so know let's... this; it's so frustrating. Like I know this stuff, and yet sometimes we got to relearn things painfully. So let's talk about that in terms of uh, we
1: had a pretty significant room block, and none of us remembers how that happened, but uh, but it happened that we had. Uh, a pretty significant number of room nights that we had to fill and we fell short. I think it was about a hundred grand, right. In terms of costs.
0: Yeah, it was $89,000 in, um, in room nights that we just basically had to eat right. this year.
1: So, um, but yet the event was successful, profitable. And, yeah. um, so do you want to talk about that a little bit? Cause I think that's good. I think that's good for people to hear and understand also.
0: Yeah. so, so when you're doing an event, if you're doing it in a ballroom, the any just about any hotel is going to ask you to um, is going to a- ask you to essentially guarantee a certain number of rooms, and and they're going to guarantee a room rate, and that's good because your people are usually going to get a better deal than they'd get if they just went direct, right? That's kind of the that's kind of the the idea behind it. But <clears throat> the mistake that we made is that we really had back to back events, so we had a three day event that was for. You know anybody and everybody, and then immediately following that event, we had our founders board mastermind meeting, which is a fulfillment. And so, a full, which is a fulfillment event exactly. And I guess when the when people were running the numbers, the idea was that you know we'd have the all of the founders board members would also come to the three day event and then stay. But a lot of them were like, Nah, I mean that's I've seen a lot of that stuff. I just want to come for my you know for my event. Some of them got confused about which was which. And so they booked um, they booked room during the main event, not realizing that they needed to stay over. And so they wound up, and then hotel room our room block had closed, which I'll talk about what happens there. And so they had to book somewhere else. And then because they had to book somewhere else, they went ahead and canceled their room nights here. <laughs> so it was this whole giant, you know, again, very avoidable mess where we just didn't communicate effectively because of the um, because of those having the, those two events, and while we were pretty close to our, um, we, were, we were pretty close to the the goal that we had set in terms of attendees, the what we're seeing is that more and more people are choosing to stay at non-event hotels. Yeah, they're choosing to do Airbnb's, they're choosing to kind of bunk up, and so. We we really just overshot and overestimated. Okay, if we've got this many people here, then surely each person on average will have this many nights. And it just wound up being, it just wound up being less. And part so, of that too is that the hotels have not adjusted for that.
1: They they are clinging to the old model, and that that makes it hard. So you might find that you can't get a better deal from the hotel, and you can negotiate things like attrition. So attrition allows you to have maybe 80% of the total room yep. nights that you're obligated to pay for. And the goal is a hundred percent. But um, ultimately if you fall short as we did, you still can make it work. But then I know that when we were going back in and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. So it'll be interesting to see when this changes. Um, but the hotels are demanding even more F and B and more room rates. And uh, I mean, room it's nights.
0: crazier now than it was pre COVID and yep. a lot of this was because obviously during COVID, no events could happen. Uh, and so a lot of events got pushed out. And so what you had with hotels is they were overbooked. And this yep. was the case when we booked this event, we could not find any hotel space anywhere and the hotels knew it. And right. so the offer that we were given was one where we we're like, wow, that's a lot. That's really aggressive. We were able to get 80% attrition, um, but it was still just a massive, massive, massive lift um, and, uh, and yeah, and the hotels just had us. And so I, I'm not like, again, I'm not rooting for a recession. I'm definitely not rooting for another pandemic, but it would be nice if these hotels were humbled just a little bit and they could just get back to what it was in 2018, 2019. I agree. Because right now it's nuts, man. It is crazy. It crazy. is crazy what, what what they're asking for uh, in, in terms of room commits. And so you want to make sure that you can hit, um, that, that you can hit those room blocks. That can be scary to, to the point though when we shifted from, it'll be what it is in terms of room nights. Like we can't necessarily control where people stay. We can do our best to incentivize them. And we did. I mean, so some things that we did our people called everybody who bought a ticket and they were trying like crazy, like, Hey, did you book your room yet? Did you book, did you book it at the event hotel? Did you book it at the event hotel? You know, they're hearing like, Oh yeah, we started to, but we couldn't get all the nights. Um, And so we had, we just booked all of them somewhere else. And that was, you know, that was that was that was a bummer um because oh here's the other fun thing that happens your room block will typically end 30 days out from the event yeah which is terrible which is terrible because most people even if they buy a ticket they'll not, they're not going to book their room until like a couple weeks before right and so we had lots of people who bought tickets and then they went to go and book their room at the hotel only to find out that the room block had closed um and even if we were able to get it reopened you know yeah you know, Thursday was full for whatever reason. And so who's going to book a room at a hotel where they, you know, can't say the last night, you know, they're not I think going... one thing that
1: might be interesting for next time is uh, is to include the hotel room. Yeah. I think that, I think that, that that's the way that you fix that. And, uh, and if you yeah, build but... it in and you think about maybe we were going to eat 80,000 or 90,000 anyway, then at least you get the benefit of that, right? You'll, you'll fully use that. So you won't effectively eat, that money and it goes back into the cost of the ticket and you just sell the tickets for more, but then people know that when they book, they're all set. And also attendance is likely to be higher because people don't want to give up a room that they've already paid for. I think that would be worth us trying next time.
0: I agree. I really Here's the good news. Like, so let's, so maybe, so that's all kind of like the bad news and the stuff that, that, that went wrong. Um, As far as what went right, uh, the, the feedback that we got from the attendees was higher than it had been you know, the last, last, guy, knew it had been good the last, last couple of years, but it was incredibly, um, you know, very, very high MPA. Sl- feedback was really good. Testimonials at the event. Everybody was ecstatic about the content. Um, but, and then also sales were solid, could have been a little better in certain, um, areas, but, but exceeded other areas. So we were generally happy. I think we overshot in, you know, for certain areas and undershot and wound up being, you know, kind of a, kind of about even, but just to break down the numbers, sponsorships, Like, so just selling booth space and things like that. Sponsorships offset our uh, more than covered our food and beverage, like basically our hotel contracts, right? So what we had to give to the hotel uh, were were offset by sponsorship. And then the ticket sales, they came in and they basically covered our our media. So we essentially said just about if if sponsorships are going to pay for the event to happen, if ticket sales, then then ticket sales can go. We can put that all back into you know into media, and so that was generally how it worked out. And sponsorship didn't quite cover everything, but it was really 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 close. So then, what, whatever you sell at the event is profit. Yeah. So that's that's kind of a good way to think about it, a good way to structure it. Yeah, I love it. Any other thoughts before we sign off on our event uh, episode? If you're gonna do if you're gonna do an event, and if the goal is to sell at that event. You should have one main offer. Um, so one thing that I'm not a huge fan of, uh, and that I don't think is a really great experience for the attendee, is the Pitch Fest event. Yeah, where it's you know a bunch of different speakers, everybody coming up giving something you know different. Uh, I think what what you should do is to program the event in such a way that if nobody buys anything they're still going to get a phenomenal experience. And I think that you owe that to the people who have not only invested the money to get there, but also two to three days of their time. Yep. And so make sure that you know that, that you're programming towards it. That being said, um, you should be building towards something that is going to be your primary offer um, uh, like before lunch on day two yep. so that you've got the rest of that day and if you have a third day as well to help close sales and close people out. And the other thing that we did um, at this event is I came out during the opening session and I, and I said, hey, I want to be completely transparent. We're going to be sharing with you some amazing stuff. Here are some of the sessions that we have going on. Um, just so you know, my goal is that you see this and hear this and you think this is so amazing. I want to work with those people more. Uh, I, you know, I, want to, I want to be clients of theirs. And uh, you know, you'll, you'll choose to do that. And so if, you know, if that's something that you do want to do, I'll talk about how you can work with us Before lunch on day two. Um, But aside from that, there's nothing else for sale. And so just want you to get value. But I was very transparent about the fact that, you know, our goal was to deliver so much value that they wanted to work with us. And not only do I feel like that set the right tone, it also made me feel better. Right. I I wasn't kind of like, you know, when it came time to to make the offer, it was like, hey, remember how yesterday I said I was going to do this thing? Well, here we go. Uh, And it just made it a lot easier. So if you're the idea of a sales event appeals to you because you'd like to make a million dollars in a couple of days, um, but you're nervous about the selling part of it, that's something that can really help as well. Love it. Awesome. Well, I hope you you guys found this helpful. Um, And and just to kind
1: of close out, whether you have a brick and mortar store, um, you know, an, an event, we're talking about events that are at uh, hotels uh, or convention centers or things like that, but small events that you might have at your store, uh, your actual physical location, if you've got one, can also be great. Just a customer appreciation event, Ryan mentioned is one of the types, uh, and even to have a selling event that you have people come and you bring in things that they might want. That's you know that can be done pretty much anywhere. You can do it digitally. You can do it uh, in real time in a presence uh, at your location. You can do it at an event. You can do it at a restaurant. There's lots and lots of options. So um, we just wanted you to think about the possibility of events and understand the different kinds that you have. They, I do think that they're really good for connecting with your customer, building your brand, and, um, and you can also make some money while you're doing it. So if you found this helpful, please share it with everybody that you know, and uh, we'll see you next time on Business Lunch. 100% free. Just visit businesslaunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available. Hey, Roland Frazier here. If you're looking for a way to grow your business exponentially, to get more customers and ultimately increase your wealth, there's no faster way to do it than to acquire other businesses that already have the customers, products, services, teams, and media that you want. If you wanna double your sales, just acquire a company that has the same sales as yours. It sounds simple, but far too many people end up starting new businesses that fail and forget that they could skip all the hard stuff and just acquire one that already exists. There's a reason why